you got a password manager because people like me told you to get one. And now you're hearing that it might have vulnerabilities. You can't win for losing. <laughs> uh, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. You could restore it all. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my senior breakfast ruiner, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? I'm good, Curtis. If you want company for your misery, uh, I haven't had breakfast yet either, so... But I, I am glad I, I am glad that you actually looked at your calendar before you <laughs> went to eat breakfast and go out to breakfast, because this would yeah. not have happened at this time <laughs> yeah i i um i have a place that i like to go to breakfast pretty regularly and i was i, I don't do it like you know every day but i do it more often when my wife is my wife often spends time down with her mother and when i'm basically i'm i'm essentially a geographical bachelor here uh i do it more often right i'll go i'll go over there and uh i was literally in my car about one mile from here when I just, Oh, I'm just going to glance at the calendar to make, cause nothing ever happens this early in the morning. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> glance at my calendar to make sure that, that uh, I'm back in time. And then it says uh, we're recording a podcast uh, in five minutes. So, well, I'm glad you looked at your calendar, Curtis. That's an improvement. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, you know, I mean, the, 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 the thing is, the the luxury of the job that I have is that I do a lot of writing and a lot of content creation. So I have a lot of time that's not on the calendar. You it's know, all good. So it's okay. Maybe you can go to breakfast tomorrow or later today or uh, yeah, later both. Today. Or probably, both. Probably likely. <laughs> yeah, or, or both. Well, let's quit chit-chatting about breakfast and get on to talking about things that actually matter to other people. No one breakfast cares about Breakfast is important. Breakfast is... Not your breakfast, but breakfast is an important yeah. meal of the day. Yeah, exactly. Um, our guest today has a PhD in computer science and is an associate professor at the University of York. He specializes in cybersecurity and privacy, and he co-authored a paper about password managers that got our attention. So welcome to the podcast, Siyama Shahandasti. How's it going? Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm fine. Thanks. How are you guys? <laughs> apart from breakfast. <laughs> Wait, yeah, did he pronounce from... your name correctly? Did he get that? Because Curtis is not really I, good with I names. That was not a I very do. good shot. Yes. <laughs> I, I try. For the rest of the podcast, I will be calling you Sia. Uh, if that's, <laughs> you said that's what people call you. So this paper that we uh, that we found. So it's revisiting security vulnerabilities and commercial password managers. Now, as I, I'm sure we explained to you in the pre-show that password managers come up a lot. Uh, <laughs> and I am a fan of password managers. I use a commercial one. Persona happens to use an open source one. And um, the, the, the one that I happen to use is Dashlane. And um, 
not LastPass. It's been a rough couple of weeks. It's been a rough couple of weeks for LastPass, including some some more news that came out yesterday. That was a mess. Um, you know, I don't know. Have you been following that story, Sia? I have followed since that the last iteration that you you just mentioned. I haven't followed the last iteration. What happened in the last iteration? Well. Yeah, so the yeah, so it's like when is this story over, right? It, it reminds yes. me. I'm reminded of um, there's a movie. Um, there's two movies that make me. This makes me think of two movies. I'll go with the the nicer one, the the Lord of the Rings series, the final movie in the series. There's like nine endings. It seems like <laughs> right. You think you think the movie's over, and then you're like, oh, now the credits are gonna roll. Oh no, we're gonna go back to. <laughs> Hobbitown. Oh, and then and then you're like, oh, okay, that's oh, we're gonna go back to the Elf Village. Okay, all right, right. And so that's kind of what's going on here. We're like, when is the last past story over? Yeah. The most recent one, uh, the most recent revelation is that the that the 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 hacker managed to what it looks like is they put on um, keystroke. Um, grabbing software on the employee's laptop and thus caught his um, the, the DevOps the, employee. The, by the way, the the DevOps employee. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, why does that matter, Persona? Tell me because tell me they're usually because DevOps is typically the people who have access to production environments. Okay. Right? Okay. Most times, developers yeah. themselves they have access to dev environment, but but most companies don't give them access to production. But it's the DevOps right. people who are responsible for pushing the code and operating the product itself once it's in production. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that that is pretty bad. Yeah, and, yeah. So and they, I, I read. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I read that it was one of four people who had access to like their password vaults, their production password vaults. So yeah, exactly. it was That's sort of a very to. highly targeted thing. Yeah, I guess the the commercial offerings. I mean what uh, they provide extra features like these kind of uh, admin sorts of uh, features as well, right? So so uh, a privileged user might have access to those as well for, for the actual password yeah, manager, I, apart from you yeah. know, the rest of the <laughs> DevOps things. Um, let's stop talking about LastPass. Uh, <laughs> just just talk more about this, this paper, because honestly, I, I think we'll probably end up doing another episode just on that that latest news once I actually research it better and can and talk to it better. But I will say keystroke uh, recorders bad. <laughs> that's, yeah. not, that's not good. What What's the formal name for that keystroke uh, loggers? Keystroke logging. logging. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just, ugh, that's just bad. Oh. Anyway. Um, so what made you, decide to go through the, because th th there was a significant amount of research that went into that paper. What made you sort of decide to undertake that? Uh, yeah, basically, uh, it was a combination of things. Uh, one was that I had a student who was <laughs> looking for a, uh, a challenge, basically. <laughs> um, uh, Mikey, uh, who has done most of the work in this paper, actually, um, 
mm-hmm. very good student at the time. Now, you know, earns five times more than me anyway in the in the industry. But but yeah, so he wanted a challenge, and uh, and uh, and the other thing was that. In some of my previous research, we had uh, some uh, back and forth with the uh, uh, with vendors of different products, uh, like browsers, mm-hmm. for example, and so on and so forth. And and uh, that interaction was not always as smooth as possible. Uh, and uh, we thought uh, that. Uh, probably having a look at password manager security is a good idea because no one, you know, all the works in this area, whether you look at academic works or non-academic works, you know, blogs and so on and so forth, were sort of Mm -hmm. uh, uh, dispersed sort of attempts at, at, you know, breaking a specific thing in one password manager or something like that, right? So no one Right. Really had looked at right. Let's 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 bring all. Let's look at all the works in this area. Let's put, uh, bring all of them together and uh, ho- hopefully put together you know a list of known attacks, for example, for designers mm-hmm. of future password managers to actually to actually look at. Right. So that's I guess what you want to do after you design your password manager. You want to make sure that you know yeah. <laughs> known it's not vulnerable to a known attack, right? Um, so that was part right. of the, uh, the drive. And then later we got into other sort of uh, areas that I can talk about. Yeah. And as a consumer, this is super useful because I don't think I've ever seen a paper looking at password managers like this across the board, right? Usually as like a consumer, I'd be like, hey, a password manager, okay, if it, I'll just do some research and be like, okay, what are the popular ones? And hopefully they've been vetted, hopefully they've been trusted, right? But as a general consumer, you're not going to dive in and look at all these various aspects and figure out, are they really secure? Or how are they been built? Or what are all the attack? surfaces that exist right because no one really does that right yeah that's yeah. that's true and, and 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 in fact one of the one of the reasons that we did this was that uh, there was a company that we were working with and they were interested in adopting a password manager and they wanted to know more about sort of they wanted to do di- their diligent <laughs> due diligence research yeah. right uh, and as a result of this they have decided to adopt one of these password managers actually Interesting. Yeah, you know, I, 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 of course, uh, as a user of Dashlane, I of course immediately went down the the list of Dashlane, and I was, I was a little, I was a little sad uh, <laughs> at the number of dings that it got. Right, um, and you know, just to throw out one, and the thing is, I, I never really, again, I, I don't, I don't constantly focus on this, so it, it never occurred to me that this was really a problem. And that, although I kind of knew it anyway, what I'm talking about is this issue of you put it, you put in an email address and then hit enter. And then it essentially tells you whether or not that email address is known Mm -hmm. to that password manager or not. Um, And they don't have to do that. Um, Right. They, they, I'm guessing that they do that as a usability feature, um, you know, security, as you know, security and privacy often 
uh, go into the, you know, into the face of uh, usability. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but I, I was a little, I was a little surprised by the number of these types of things that I saw when I was looking at my own password manager. And I, I would say that I would encourage anyone, uh, we'll put a link to the, to this, uh, um, study in the, in the show notes, you know, download this and look at yours. And then mm. the only thing I can think of is to, is for us as consumers to put pressure on the vendors to address these, uh, limitations. Right. Yeah. I mean, on the, on the upside, I have to say, uh, Dashlane, uh, uh, and the other one was Keeper, I think. Uh, they were the the most cooperative with us, right? So, so uh, some of those vulnerabilities that you see listed in the paper actually are, are now fixed, right? Uh, they they have they have sort of uh, uh, took us seriously, but more than more than some of the other ones, right? So, <laughs> so in that sense, you shouldn't be too sad. <laughs> uh, but well, that's, good. Um, that's good to hear. But yeah, you are right. I mean the. It is true that you, uh, you know, you should not assume that the, uh, you know, the username part of the the credential, if you if you if we call it a credential, uh, the username part is not supposed to be secret, and uh, you you know the security of your system should not rest on the fact, you know, the assumption that the usernames are secret. That's true, but right. at the same time, you don't want to make it easier for for you know an attacker to you know do a brute force of of your system right so so if if you don't reveal the usernames of of your the, the valid usernames of your system the the an attacker needs to you know work out the right combinations whereas if you do reveal the usernames then the attacker's job is much easier it's just find the password for this specific username that i know already right uh, yeah, I, I so would liken it to, hygiene, um, if you like. yeah. yeah, right. I would liken it to a combination lock where, you know, if you have a really good combination lock, you can't tell if you've gotten to the first, unless you're a lock picker, if you're a lock picker and you got a stethoscope and whatnot, that, you know, <laughs> this is all the bets are off, but a, a normal user of a, of a, um, uh, of a padlock the padlock doesn't tell you, yes, you've got to the first number mm-hmm. and now you can go on to the second number. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's essentially what the password managers are doing. They're saying they're, they'll let you try as many email addresses as you want and, and then say, oh, so you've got the first number in the sequence. Now go ahead and try the second one. Right. That, that, does that sound like a valid sort yeah, of yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it, in uh, in sort of some parts of some areas of security, like cryptography, this is called the divide and conquer strategy, right? So, uh, yeah, exactly. You, if you, yeah, you don't want to sort of uh, give a give a hint that you know the first part is correct and the second part is correct and the third part is correct, right? You want the the attacker or the adversary to sort of uh, try combinations rather than bit by bit, right? Right. Right. So if we go back to the paper, I know you looked at a bunch of different vulnerabilities or potential exploits yeah. for these various products. Um, how did you come up with this list? Like, were these sort of things that you saw in the wild or potentials, or are these th- 
things that you think a common person might be exposed to and therefore these are the sort of vulnerabilities most likely mm-hmm. to be tested. Sure. I mean, we did uh, sort of two things in the paper. So one was we started by saying, right, let's look at, you know, already disclosed vulnerabilities. Uh, So, for example, there might be a blog, there might be a paper, there might be, you know, a white paper from a few years ago uh, that we can find. And then let's just start by looking at whether those are fixed. Right. And also, <laughs> uh, and also if, yeah, exactly. And also if you look at those vulnerabilities, they are usually disclosed for a specific password manager. Right. So for example, yep. you find this blog that says, right, I tried this on, I don't know, I'm just picking a random one last pass and it worked. Right. And it shouldn't work. It sounds like a vulnerability to me. Right. Uh, yep. They didn't do you know, a rigorous testing of, you know, multiple password managers. So so yep. at least what we could do was, even if that one is fixed for LastPass, let's try it to see if other password <laughs> managers also have the same vulnerability, right? So that was, that was the first thing we thought of doing, and we thought it would be feasible. Um, so basically, uh, systematic testing of already disclosed vulnerabilities for all of these five, you know, top mm-hmm. password managers. And then the second thing that we ended up doing uh, as well was basically uh, testing the fun- some of the functionalities and the, U- uh, the UIs, the user interfaces, to see if there are any obvious other uh, issues that might lead to vulnerabilities that can be exploited. And we can talk about that later if you want. Uh, so, so that was that's how we came up with the first list. So if you look at each of them, I think the first list is six. Uh, vulnerabilities and and each of them is coming from either a blog or a paper or gotcha. you know yeah something like that basically. is this what's in the related work section yes so some of it is in the related work section but we sort of limited ourselves to uh, sort of we we left two types of vulnerabilities out of the scope uh, so you can, you know, under the hood, a password manager basically uses, you know, uh, a an encrypted vault, basically, right? right. Uh, so you can look at that encryption and how resilient it is if someone actually manages to steal, you know, the vault, right? Uh, so, so which has happened in in the latest <laughs> case that we have been talking yes, about, right? Yes. So, so that that is something that we said okay we are not going to look at you know the cryptographic sort of uh, uh, issues there we, we assume that that's that's fine and some other people have looked at that right and then there are some vulnerabilities that are sort of you can call them sort of web vulnerabilities they these results uh, from sort of the the messages that you s- uh, send sort of at the network level, if you like, right? So, for example, if you design your your server of your password manager in a way that it is vulnerable to web vulnerabilities like cross-site scripting, then things can go wrong, right? Uh, right. So, and we left those out of the scope as well, right? And then we were left with vulnerabilities of the actual artifact without getting into the lower or higher levels. If you actually look at apps, uh, extensions, 
and uh, standalone applications of these password managers, what kind of vulnerabilities there are in terms of the policy they're enforcing, for example, in terms of uh, how they are treating uh, passwords, in terms of how they are treating sharing passwords, for example, right? Uh, and those kind of things. Uh, I don't think we we tried, we, we couldn't come up with, with a sort of encompassing name for these types of vulnerabilities, but at least we can say we left out those two out of the scope. And I think it makes sense because at that point, you're trying to boil the ocean, you know, and there's already <laughs> enough value in just focusing on that one piece as it is. Yeah. So the one question, Sia, I wanted to ask is, so when you had that first group of vulnerabilities that included things that you found on blogs or that had been published and you started comparing about across password managers, how often did you find a vulnerability in one product that was known that did that wasn't necessarily fixed in the other ones? Were the companies of these password managers actually like looking at what's mm-hmm. going on in their space, you know, or mm-hmm. were they kind of like, ah, I don't care about those other competitors. I'm just going to do my own thing. I think it's it sort of the, the most fair answer would be that it varied between password managers. So for example, the and also between how, uh, I guess, well-known the vulnerability was. So for example, there was a vulnerability uh, that basically meant that a two-factor authentication would boil down to a to a one-factor authentication, right? So the, the wow. problem was... That seems pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the problem was that basically, you know, if you know a user's password, then uh, based on the user's password, the, you can predict the URL uh, of... Uh, a two-factor authentication, for example, QR code that might be used for two-factor authentication, right? So it's sort of the second factor was dependent uh, on the first factor, right? That, whereas oh. ideally you want them yeah. to be completely independent of each other, right? Yeah. Uh, because the the job of the second factor is that if someone knows my password, at least they <laughs> cannot get the second factor, right? But if yeah. right. if the if the URL where the second factor is stored or can be enabled or disabled is predictable based on my first factor, then basically we are saying they're the same factor. As long as you know my first factor, you will know the second factor as well, right? Um, So this vulnerability was very well known. Uh, I feel uh, there was a white paper about it and it was actually discovered by an industrial uh, sort of uh, actor. And uh, I think it was uh, well publicized in, I don't know, in industry, industry, well attended industry conferences or something like that. And that meant that, you know, none of the password managers that we tested actually were vulnerable to this anymore. Right. Uh, yeah, but, the, but with yeah, the other ones, it was, that, it's, uh, it's, it's the only uh, vulnerability that <laughs> all of them passed. Um, I see. <laughs> yes. The looking at this table here on page eight, uh, there there is the one, and that's called two FA seed is the name that you gave yes. to that. Um, yeah. The registration discovery dash lane was the only one that had that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Actually, when looking at the this is, I think this is what got me a little depressed. Dash lane had the most black circles in mm-hmm. this, um, you know. At the time, uh, 
this at the tape time. at the time. Two of them that yeah, got fixed. What we don't know is <laughs> two of them got fixed. Okay, so now immediately it's, it's and now maybe more. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, I feel like maybe I want to reach out to them and, and yeah. ask them. Yeah. It sounds like they they would be familiar with your paper. So you've got sort of it looks like six vulnerabilities here. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, if we could just sort of describe the six, you've, you've already described the first one. What yeah. about the element inspection vulnerability? Right. That one, if I remember correctly, is about, uh, you know, the uh, feature which allows you to share passwords, if you like, right? Um, mm -hmm. So this this feature usually present is present in the um, sort of, uh, commercial offerings of, of password managers, right? Uh, as you can imagine, you know, if if you if you if you work in a company and you adopt a password manager, it, it is very useful for groups to share password pa passwords, or for delegation of passwords to PAs, for example, and so on and so forth, right? Um, so uh, the way they have actually implemented the, this feature was that. Um, the actual password was shared, uh, but it was... So if you actually looked at the HTML, uh, so this was on the uh, on the web browser extension, basically, uh, implementation. Right. If you actually looked at the HTML that was passed between the two uh, extensions of the two browsers, uh, you could actually see the password in plain text there. Oh, my but, gosh. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. If you used uh, I mean, it, just, it was just hidden. Yeah. yeah, it was just hidden, right? right? So, uh, so a, a sort of a, a user that doesn't look into the HTML wouldn't see it. Yeah. But if you just look into it was the there. HTML, you'd yeah. see it. Yeah. Exactly. And and this and brings up a question around use cases, right? So, yep. If I was a company, though, hopefully by now more and more companies are looking at single sign-on right yeah. or other mechanisms so they don't have to use password managers with password sharing yeah right but i could definitely see or it's like even in a household right maybe you want to share the <clears throat> password for like your netflix account or maybe it's your bank account that you're sharing with your significant other right and it's like yeah. oh how do you actually end up sharing that data so i could yeah. see reasons for it it just seems like going back to what curtis was saying it was like Sometimes it seems like some of these features are built and because they've added this feature, it sort of decreases the secure, reduces the security of the password manager itself without yeah. realizing it. No, definitely. I mean, yeah, having the, that feature makes the, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, the next one is the one that we've already discussed, which is the registration discovery vulnerability, registration discovery vulnerability. That's a mouthful. Uh, I'm actually, you know, we don't yeah. typically do this, but I'm going to uh, share my screen, which, um, wow, I have a lot of tabs. Um, <laughs> Were we just talking about this earlier, Curtis? No, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do the, let's see here, do the entire screen. All right. So I'm going to scare, oh, never mind. I was taking, it says browser needs screen sharing permission. Um, okay. Well, I was going to share my screen, 
But yeah, I just verified getting in the way of doing things. <laughs> Dang, damn security! Uh, good, good callback there, Sia. Uh, but I just verified that still uh, Dashlane does tell you if a um, email address is a valid email address, right? And and I don't know why it's it's a coding thing that basically it's because they have you enter the email address first. And yep. then you continue and then they enter the password rather than having a single uh, page where you enter both the username and the password. Um, and, and basically, if you enter, um, let's see, let me just. Uh, so basically, you could use this vulnerability yeah. to figure out who's actually registered in the Dashlane system. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to put doofus at doofus.com. And what it says is no account found. Verify your email or create an account, right? Yeah, so that's it basically bad tells practice. you that's not right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that one, uh, that one, they still get a ding on. Uh, and by the way, this isn't fair because we're not doing this to other, <laughs> to other uh, password managers. What about this URL mismatch vulnerability? Login fields being filled with a username and password despite the source and destination. URLs not matching. That sounds bad. Um, yeah, I mean, it it does sound worse than what it is, but it allows sort of uh, stealing of passwords. So basically, um, if you think about, uh, you know, password managers basically are form fillers, right? Uh, so if if they if they see f form fields that are labeled username and password, they they try to fill it, right? Uh, Auto-fill mm -hmm. it for you, basically, right? Um, so uh, in in a normal sort of working scenario, what happens is that, you know, this form is served within an HTML of a page, for example, right, within, within a web page from uh, a domain. And then when, when it is filled, the result is submitted to the same domain, right? So that uh, that's... Uh, and, and if you're only thinking about, you know, the normal use case, you would only think that it's only sufficient for me as the password manager to check whether the domain matches the user and password that I have that I'm filling, right? So I look at the domain that served the, the form to me, and I look at the vault and say, right, this was google.com. Let's see. Let's bring only the password for Google.com and not the password for Facebook.com or something like that, right? Mm. And that sounds fine. As that sounds normal, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds normal, exactly. <laughs> but then you have to think about sort of all these other sort of contexts where where forms can be used, right? So, for example, let's say if uh, first of all in in an HTML form you can specify where the results of the form are uh, to which URL the results mm -hmm. of the, the the form should be submitted, right? Mm -hmm. So that already, I mean, and there is no reason why, for example, you know, uh, Google should put a user and password form, you know, a, a login page on their website that submits the passwords to Facebook, right? Uh, obviously, that will not happen, right? right? <laughs> so, so there is. If you again thinking about the normal use case, you wouldn't think that you know I need to check that the destination also matches the source, right? But in certain scenarios, this might happen. So, for example, if you're allowed if you're allowed to embed a form within an email, right? Uh, then 
uh, and if I open the email on my browser, let's say I open my Gmail, and I and this email includes a form, right? My browser thinks, my browser checks the source and thinks that it is coming from Google, right? But mm. the but the actual content of the email is from a third party. It's not from Google, mm. right? So it can it can you know include a form, a hidden form, for example, that can submit things to vulner, uh, you know malicious. Wherever com. you want to go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> right. So mm. the problem was that some uh, some password managers to again uh, for. Uh, because they were prioritizing usability, they would autofill without even any action, any confirmation from the user, right? To, to make things easier for you. I go on, on the login page and I'm automatically logged in without even needing to click something, right? But this meant that, you know, if I include a hidden form within an email, it's able, to, it, it can sort of steal your password, for example. It's still your Google password. If it is in Gmail, for that's example. kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, and I'm curious to know, um, you know, how how they're doing on that one, because um, most of, most of the password managers ha- got dinged for that. Yeah. Um, so so basically, a lot of password managers these days, um, uh, and you might have noticed this. In early days, a lot of password managers didn't need a confirmation from you, but now they they actually show you the, they ask, the username yeah. password and you have to actually actively select the username password, right? So at least the user needs to actively do something, right? So it cannot happen without the knowledge of the user yeah. or without the user ever seeing it. The other thing that uh, webmail services have done in response to this and some other thing, crazy things you can do with embedding forms within emails is that they are not rendering those forms anymore, right? Uh, or if they are doing, they're sort of limiting their access. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, yeah, that's good to hear. So then we have the HTTPS auto-filled vulnerability um, saying that they, the policies do not distinguish between HTTP and HTTPS when attempting yeah. to fill a credential that has been stored with HTTPS on an HTTP version of the site, that's a lot of letters, uh, would enable a man-in-the-middle attack to impersonate the HTTP version of a popular website. But hmm. there's still HTTP versions of websites these days? Uh, yeah, much less, <laughs> well, definitely. Well, well but, but, what he's, but what the report is saying is that I stored an HTTP, at least see yeah. t- tell me if I, I'm right. I stored a password for a known HTTPS website. Yeah. And then some other website is an HTTP fake version of that website. And it allows me to st- basically, if they'll just autofill that, uh, yeah. that, that again, all of these sound bad. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> you would think that it would need to check it, that it would want to check that. Yes, exactly. I think, I think this is a legacy thing, as as Prasanna was saying. There, there, there is no reason to keep this anymore, right? Because most, you know, uh, most uh, legitimate websites, let's say, uh, have moved right. on to HTTPS now, right? But, but the fact that, uh, you know, some password managers do this allows, you know, you know, if you are in a uh, I don't know in a, in 
in a in a cafe and their their Wi-Fi is not you know password yeah. protected, then a man in the middle can present mm-hmm. uh, your uh, you know can can present your browser yeah, with an HTTP version, yeah. right? And and if your if your uh, password manager is presents those credentials to be autofilled on that HTTP version, you know a uh, a user who is not vigilant might just, you know, confirm it and uh, and yeah. lose their password, basically. Yeah. Especially if it's like the autofill typed, right? And yeah. so it's like, hey, you don't even get a choice at that point, right? Those are the ones that scare me, right? Where it's like, hey, because in browsers today, right, it's pretty obvious. Like, it clearly tells you when, hey, this is not secure, right? Are you sure you wanted to go here? That sort of a thing. Yeah, that's why, by the way, we... Uh, so I I was slow to upgrading uh, Backup Central to HTTPS because my thinking was I knew that whenever I administered I used HTTPS but I didn't care about the the website because no one logged in or anything that was my mm-hmm. that was my sort of incorrect thinking but then what happened is Chrome started saying we're going to flag your site and basically uh, people are not going to want to go to your site whether they're filling in forms or not. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I up, I mean, this was several years ago now, but but I upgraded uh, HTTPS. Uh, so you're right; like everybody, you know, any reasonable site, yeah, would be HTTPS at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and and also, uh, you know, uh, you might expect this from, uh, you know, a general vendor but a, a password manager vendor i mean the security is what they are offering right the, the service they are offering right so they should take this a bit more seriously than others yeah. right so the last one here just talks about ignoring subdomains uh so you know you listed and i don't know why you would use this website but it was york.ac.uk um <laughs> and and cs.york.ac.uk that an attacker in a subdomain can hence steal user credentials for the parent domain. Um, this is this is very much an issue. Um, I know in the case of at least with Dashlane, if I'm on a if I have that scenario, it will not autofill. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I then often am you know having to do the copy and paste method because I st- yeah. you know it's a 30 character password. I have no idea what my password <laughs> is, but I, I know that the site that I'm interacting with is the sort of the normal uh, site, but I know that at least in this case, it will not autofill if it's not the domain, the subdomain that I agreed to. Um, yeah. Can you, can you think of scenarios where that, I mean, I, I guess the thinking is perhaps incorrectly. So is that if it's a subdomain, it's still a, server that's being trusted. managed by yeah it's 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 trusted by the by the greater domain is that that should not yeah, be the yeah. case apparently yeah i think i mean you're right and uh, i mean don't get me wrong you're not saying solving this last issue is, is by any means a, a, an easy uh decision to you know black and white uh decision right um so it, it's just the fact you know the problem is that web is a mess right so uh you can have very different uh, use cases for subdomains right for example think about forums right you know if 
you know, a subdomain in a forum, you know, let's say forum.com, for example, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I hate passwords.forum.com. You know, I hate passwords.forum.com might not be trusted by forum.com. Forum.com is just a forum that, you know, the contents of most of its subdomains is provided by random parties, right? So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's, and, and in fact, if you look at organizations, it's sort of the other way around. It's sort of uh, the, the, the different levels of trust is the other way around, right? So, for example, the york.ac.uk, anything on york.ac.uk or the, the admins that have access to the you know, sensitive information on york.ac.uk are the most trusted ones. Right, uh, but the admins that have uh, access to cs.york.ac.uk are the le- sort of least uh, less trusted ones. And then, yeah. if you have, I don't know, if you run a group, for example, within the CS department, then you might just, you know, a, a postgraduate student might just run that, right? So, uh, whereas. With password managers, we are saying no, no. Actually, the opposite. Yeah, yeah exactly. Completely the opposite. It's like, yeah. right? If you are on a subdomain, we think that you are sort of completely trusted. Yeah, but, it's right. like a privileged escalation, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's sort of reversed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that that's a really good point that I hadn't thought of. See, this is why we have you on here. See, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I really hadn't thought about the fact that although it may be trusted it might not be trusted to the same degree. Yeah. Right. Um, That is, you know, and, and especially, I think perhaps, especially in academia, right. Because (laughs) you can quite often have, like you said, it's a post-grad student that's got his own domain name, his subdomain name. um, And he could be doing, or she could be doing bad things. Right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> all in the name of research though curtis yes, all in yes. the name of research all of, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> yeah by the way yeah, i did I, li- you know I, I i did like at the beginning of your paper you mentioned you know the ethical concerns that you you know nobody was hacked for this paper you you were using accounts that you had control over etc yeah. um you weren't um you know weren't weren't out there trying to hack people yeah and curtis uh speaking of that do you want to throw out our disclaimer oh yeah Speaking of hacking, <laughs> <laughs> not um, hacking. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of not hacking. Anyway, um, Prasanna and I work for different companies. He works for Zoom. I work for Druva, and this is an independent podcast. Uh, the opinions that you hear are ours, and we'd love to have you rate us. Uh, please go to your favorite podcatcher, scroll down to the comments and the the rating. Give us five stars, six stars. If you can give us six stars, that you know helps our average. Uh, sort of like an AP course in high school. Um, and um, if you want to join the conversation, uh, we'd love to have you on WCurtisPreston at Gmail or um, uh, WCPreston on Twitter. And LinkedIn. So, um, oh, and LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn.com slash in slash Mr. Backup. I actually on- had one question for Sia. So we've I know you've looked at all these commercial password managers and now yeah. with... Uh, operating systems and browsers, right? They have their own password managers as well, right? Like Keychain for Apple, right? Safari and Chrome have their own password manager. 
what would you say about those in terms of sort of some of these vulnerabilities? Like, do you think that they might be more secure? I, I don't know if anyone's done a research study like you've done for those commercial password managers, but for the things that these companies are releasing, do sure. you like how trustworthy worthy are they? <laughs> I think, I mean, for example, if you take Chrome's uh, embedded password manager, um, the the fact that it is running within the context of uh, within the uh, trusted context of the browser actually makes life uh, easier for the developers of uh, Chrome's embedded password manager, right? Because if you think about you know developing an extension for a browser, you, you know if you're if you're one password, you have to develop an extension that people should add to their Chrome, right? And extensions are uh, you know, browser extensions are run within a, a certain sandbox, right? And they don't have the ex the same access uh, to different elements of the page, for example, and so on and so forth, uh, or run certain codes uh, within the browser, right? Uh, so from, and, and that is one of the things that, you know, these independent password managers need to grapple with the, the developers of these independent password managers, right? So, for example, imagine that you know hundreds of different ways you know uh, login web pages are implemented, right? Mm -hmm. These password managers need to understand the rendered version of each of mm -hmm. these pages, right? That rendered version is is uh, if you like meant for humans right html yeah. is meant is is by by definition you know a tagging language right, right? Yeah. um so whereas if if uh, there was a sort of within browser communication between the uh, the the password manager extension and the core of the browser they could do like machine to machine sort of communication everything could be much more sort of uh, smooth secure. and and secure yeah. yeah and and without sort of uh, issues right so for example you wouldn't have password managers misrecognizing a i don't know family name field for something else right mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's they're not trying to interpret what was meant for humans, right? Yeah. Um, so, so there's a lot of work work to do there. And, and yeah, unfortunately, the incentives are not at the right place, right? Because uh, uh, each of these, you know, browser vendors want to lock in users to their own password managers anyway. Yeah, um, yeah and I think that the, the, the I think that the, the likes of Dashlane and one password and all these that they're getting some competition from these free password managers, if you will, uh, even with the limitations that they have. I, I'm yeah. actually hearkening to Druva, right? Where we don't compete with OneDrive and yet OneDrive competes with us, right? <laughs> One OneDrive to us, OneDrive is not a backup method. It is a thing to be backed up, right? Mm -hmm. But we have customers who say, well, we don't want to pay to back up our laptop. We'll just synchronize certain folders to OneDrive because it's free, right? Because we're already mm -hmm. paying. And I think that's probably happening with these commercial password managers. And I think 
that is why they've started adding, again, as a longtime customer of Dashlane, they've added other features uh, such as dark web monitoring and things like yeah. that that do not come with the with the free password managers. Yeah, um, definitely. And definitely. so I believe in paying for my password manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe in having a password manager but not paying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Persona, uh, which one? Which one? Or do you not want to? You, you no, that's about it, right? Yeah, I've talked about it. So I use KeePass, so the open source yeah. password manager where you manage the vault, you manage the storage of the vault, right? But I use it for very specific use cases, and it works fine for me. I don't have anything complicated. I'm totally fine copying and pasting passwords, so I don't even use browser extensions. I'm very old school. <laughs> He's very old school. He's yeah. an in, he's an interesting person, Sia. <laughs> uh, well, so after all this research that you and and apparently your your student uh, <laughs> did and your co-author, um, the any sort of all-encompassing things that we haven't talked anything that we haven't you know talked about so far that you think would be important to understand. Um. Yeah, I think two things. Uh, uh, one was that, you know, after looking at existing vulnerabilities, we, we sort of stumbled upon some new vulnerabilities which were not reported before. Um, and the other thing was our experience with the uh, sort of uh, with reporting these vulnerabilities, right? Because what we did was we did not sort of uh, immediately publish uh, the, the results in the form of a paper, right? We said, Right. Okay. Let's inform these vendors. Uh, let's give them, you know, right. six months to to fix these. Right. And then we go for publication. Um, and during that six months, we sort of tried a few different communication channels. Uh, a few of these uh, vendors already have uh, uh, these bug bounty programs, for example, to report bugs, mm -hmm. for example, um, and. My at least experience or our experience has been that these might not be the most uh, effective uh, sort of uh, way to communicate such vulnerabilities. I think they might be uh, very effective in terms of fixing bugs uh, that are not sort of that do not lead to security issues. But if if you are if the service you are you are providing is security and someone wants to report a security mm. issue, um, I think there should be better communication channels. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or I, I think with those bug bounty, I think perhaps I, again I don't know they might not be seeing many of the things that you listed. They might not be seeing them as bugs. They're sort of working as designed, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is why perhaps the bug bounty thing might not be the right channel. Uh, you're basically saying, have you ever thought that this is this thing that you're doing is a bad idea? Um, and so, yeah, it would be. Um, I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear that you said when you communicated with Dashlane. Anybody, any other vendor that you felt was uh, rather helpful during the process? Yeah, I think uh, uh, Keeper was the other one, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, and and 
I think we mentioned this at the end of the paper uh, because we already got uh, sort of uh, by the time we were publishing, we already got some um, co communication going. Um, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. They basically, I think it it probably showed the different processes that these vendors have. So, for example, I think mm -hmm. uh, again, this is. Uh, my sort of observation as a sort of input and output of this black box. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> guessing what, what right. has happened in that black box. So for some of the uh, password managers, uh, the the bugs that we, we reported, uh, well, we, we tried to find the emails, for example, for the you know, technology officers and, you know, those kind of things. And, but, right. but for some of them, it's hard to find. Um, but the bugs that we, we reported for some of the password managers were immediately uh, sort of classified as, uh, as very low level uh, issue, hmm. as a very low level issue. Like that some of them use this uh, bug crowd uh, vulnerability rating taxonomy or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the rate that they gave some of the, uh, some of the, our reportings was like five and five is the bottom rate. Like, it's like, no, mm. we don't need to even look mm. at fixing this. Right. That's the, that's so, so if, if the bug that we reported automatically went down that route, it sort of hit a wall basically. Right. But in right. some cases, what happens? What, what happened was, I think, actually a human being looked at the issue and escalated it further up the ranks, uh, if you like. And then we got an email, for example, from the chief technology officer or something like that and say, all right, we want to know more about this, right? <laughs> uh, and that those are the ones that led to, you know, fixes. So, for example, the... The fastest one was fixed, I think, within eleven days or something like wow. that. Right. So nice. So so that tells me that there needs to be sort of a distinction between reporting a bug of a feature not working properly and mm -hmm. an issue that might lead to, you know, a security attack, right? Yeah. Um and I would say yeah. for uh, many companies, it's probably also the maturity of their process more than yeah. anything else, right? And and it's unfortunate that you had uh, such a bad experience with some of these companies, but it was mixed. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, hopefully, it more what? and more companies. It was mixed. Oh, it was mixed experience. Okay. Yeah. So, but hopefully, more and more companies are sort of putting in place a bug bounty program and prioritizing some of these sort of security issues that are found because. It is and probably will be exploited at some point. It's just a matter of when, right? <laughs> yeah, especially for, yeah. for the ones that are already out there. I mean, it's not like yeah. we are saying no one knows about them. I mean, if you just do a bit of research, <laughs> you you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the ones that are already disclosed or, or the ones that the one that, for example, we found, uh, which is also an interesting one, if you want to talk about uh, that's uh, that one is already out there in our paper and that's out there from, I don't know, a few years ago, right? Yeah. So uh, hopefully it is fixed now. <laughs> yeah. We haven't checked recently. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> uh, all right, well, um, 
uh, well, first off, I just want to say thanks for doing this research. I think the, the, um, you know, the listeners will, I think will be able to benefit from that. And also thanks a lot for coming on and, uh, talking about the paper and, um, and also giving credit to the others that participated in the paper. I appreciate that as well. So thanks. Ah, no problem. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a pleasure to be on your <laughs> podcast. And and yeah, again, uh, most of the work has been done by Mikey, right? Uh, uh, so uh, we have to we have to acknowledge that. Yeah, and Bursana, thanks for just for the record. I'm still hungry. <laughs> it's okay. You can go for breakfast now. Uh, no, thanks. Thank you, Sia. Uh, I just wanted to close on one thing. I know we've sort of been doom and gloom in this podcast, right? Talking about vulnerabilities with password managers. But even with those vulnerabilities, I think having a password manager is worth, right? No matter, like all software is going to have some sort of vulnerabilities and issues, right? But the trade-offs, the benefits of having a password manager, I think significantly outweigh these vulnerabilities that we've been talking about on this podcast. Of course. Please, please, please go use a password manager. Of course, yeah. yeah. There's, I, I'm, I cannot agree more. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, even at the end of our paper, we we also say that we are like, okay, this is <laughs> academic work, and we are uh, the whole. I mean, the whole reason we did this work was to improve the security of password managers because we think that they are a very good tool for for users. Yeah. Right. I I look forward to the day when passwords are no longer a thing, but. <laughs> I think that's still a ways off, but um, I know there's a whole group. There, there are many, many people working on that problem. Um, so one day, one day you won't need a password manager, but today I don't know how you could possibly um, do your job and, and, and participate in modern day commerce while without using a password manager, right? The, the only, the, the only way you could do it, without it you know you have a couple of choices use the same password everywhere which is not good right i think what some people do is they they use a spreadsheet as their password manager um which is a horrible thing to do and then the and then another thing i think i know what i did before i used a password manager was that i had this code right i had a i had sort of a core password and then I would, and then I had this code that I would append and prepend to the site based on the site. And I just had to remember that, right? Everything else was the same. That that still is um, that that's better than nothing. Better than using the same password everywhere. But it's not like my code was that hard to figure out, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like my code for yeah. Gmail was GM. Okay, like it's not, <laughs> it's not. It wasn't rocket science. Uh, all right. Well, again, thanks to our listeners. Uh, we'd be nothing without you. And be sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all.
It'll be completely done Maybe someday 